0: Hello and welcome to this Radiant on-air podcast. I am Jeff Engel, Virtual Training Operations Manager with the Radiant National Training Team. I am very excited to welcome Donna Ross, Radian Group's Chief Information Security Officer. Welcome, Donna.
1: Hi, Jeff. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So I'm extremely excited to discuss this topic, and I wanted to start with some eye-popping stats. And these come from the most recent LexisNexis Risk Solution Cybercrime Report. And to me, Stats can really tell a great story about what's going on in a certain industry or a certain topic. And, you know, we'll start with uh, North America alone. Um, in North America, there were over 550 million cyber attacks from January 2020 to June 2020. And this includes a 48% increase of attacks on a mobile device. So let's now think about this globally. If cybercrime was measured as a country, then it would be the world's third largest economy after the US and China. Third largest, that's amazing. And because of this, according to the most recent cybersecurity ventures report, it is predicted to inflict damages totaling six trillion US dollars in 2021. So I'm gonna pass it over to you, Donna. What are your initial thoughts on these stats?
1: Wow. So Jeff, it's really amazing to hear those numbers, even though I see them every day. But more amazing is that cybercrime has a direct and significant impact on jobs, innovation, economic growth and investment. So again, according to Cybercrime magazine, there's an expectation that global cybercrime costs could grow by another 15% year over year over the next five years, which would then reach 10.5 trillion us dollars annually by 2025 and this is up from about 3 trillion us dollars in 2015. so according to these reports this represents the greatest transfer of economic wealth in history risks the incentives for innovation and investment and it's exponentially larger than the damage inflicted from natural disasters in a year and it'll be more profitable and the global trade of all major illegal drugs combined. And cybercrime costs include damage and destruction of data, stolen money, lost productivity, theft of intellectual property, theft of personal and financial data, embezzlement, fraud, post attack disruption in the normal course of business, things like forensic investigations, restoration and deletion of hacked data systems or reputational harm. So those are large numbers with significant losses, Jeff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why I wanted to bring you here <laughs> so we can discuss this this topic, right? It's, it's vitally important for people to understand what this topic truly is, but it's also extremely complex. So let's start with cybercrime. What exactly is cybercrime? And can you provide our listeners a basic definition of this?
1: Absolutely. Jeff. cybercrime is the use of a computer as an instrument to further illegal ends, such as committing fraud, stealing identities, or violating privacy, cybercrime, especially through the internet, has grown in importance as the computer has become central to commerce, entertainment and government.
0: Perfect. So we also hear of a lot of other terms that are out there. What are some of those common terms that are used that many of our listeners may not understand or may not know about? For our listeners, don't worry because we have you covered. You don't need to be taking notes or or writing everything down right now because we created a document for you with all the terms and definitions that we're going to go over today plus some more that you can reference. And that link is directly below uh, the podcast description uh, that you're listening to right now. All right, Donna, so what definitions do you have for us?
1: Okay, let me see, let's start with cybersecurity. Cybersecurity are measures that are used to protect the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of systems and information. Next would be cyber threat. Cyber threat is really any circumstance or event with the potential to harm systems or information. Vulnerabilities, this term might be a little bit less well known, but what a vulnerability is, is a flaw or a weakness in a system or a network that could be exploited to cause damage or allow a hacker to manipulate the system in some way. Exploits, this is where the program or codes that are designed to leverage software weaknesses and cause unintended effects. And that could lead us to the next term, which of course is data breach. Data breach, generally speaking, is a security incident in which malicious insiders or external attackers gain unauthorized access to confidential data or sensitive information. Sensitive information would be things like medical records, financial information, or personal identifiable information, what you hear often referred to as PII. Data breaches are one of the most common and most costly of cybersecurity incidents. It's important to note that a legal definition of a breach and information classification varies state to state. So what I'm giving you is just a high level uh, general definition.
0: Thanks, Donna. And there's so much information that people need to know. There's so much information that we read on a daily basis. Um, Can you give us a couple more of those terms that we might see on a pretty regular basis?
1: Sure. Let's talk about a few more terms out there, Jeff. Here's a few you've probably heard about. Hacking. Hacking is kind of a catch-all term for misuses of a computer or system to break the security of another computing system with the intent of stealing data, corrupting files or systems, or commandeering the environment to disrupt any data related activities. Malware is another broad term. This one's a broad term for malicious software that's designed to cause harm or damage to a computer, server, client, or computer network or infrastructure without end user knowledge. So what cyber attackers do is they create, use, and sell malware for many different reasons but it's frequently used to steal personal, financial, or business information. And again, malware is an umbrella term. It kind of describes all of the forms of malicious software designed to wreak havoc on a computer. Uh, examples are common forms of malware you might have heard of, Jeff. They'll include viruses, Trojans, worms, or even ransomware. And I'll go into a few types of malware quickly, if I may. So let's start with phishing. Phishing is a technique used by hackers to obtain sensitive information. For example, using a handcrafted email message designed to trick people into divulging personal or confidential data, such as passwords or bank account information. Virus is a type of malware that aims to corrupt, erase, modify information on a computer before spreading to others. Ransomware. This is a type of malware designed to extort victims for financial gain. Once the ransomware is activated, it prevents the users from interacting with their files, applications, or systems until a ransom is paid, usually in the form of an untraceable currency. You might have heard of Bitcoin. We've only uncovered the tip of the iceberg as far as cybersecurity terms, but it's a good starting point. Let's take steps now to ensure that you and your businesses are protected because Jeff, knowledge is power.
0: Couldn't agree more. Knowledge is absolutely power. And I like to say that it's probably a pretty large chunk of ice that we're talking about here. I also think it's pretty amazing to see how many of these terms and definitions are intertwined. Right There's a lot of connections between them, um, which is why it's important to understand the basics, because once you understand some of those basics, I feel like there might be a better understanding of some of the more complicated terms. Now, I want to get a little bit more specific based on one of the comments that you just made with ransomware regarding financial gain, financial losses and as our listeners know, Radian is a financial company that works in many different areas, mortgage insurance, title valuations, etc. What are some common examples of cybercrimes that impact the mortgage, banking and financial industries?
1: For the real estate industry, wire fraud is the most common as it relates to cybercrime in our industry. Wire fraud is a scam where a hacker poses as one of the parties in the real estate transaction. The hacker would then convince the consumer to divert closing costs into a fraudulent account. Wire fraud uses a hacking technique called phishing in which a hacker uses fake email accounts, phone numbers, or websites in order to impersonate someone you trust. Also, ransomware, which I mentioned earlier, is another common cybercrime for our industry. According to cybersecurity ventures, ransomware damage costs are predicted to grow more than 57 times uh, 2015 to 2021. Global ransomware damages are predicted to reach $20 billion in 2021, up from a measly $325 million in 2015. So 20 billion is our predicted losses just for ransomware alone.
0: Wow. Uh, I, I like the measly 325 million. But yeah, when you're talking about 20 billion dollars compared to 325 million, it's obviously a, a pretty hefty increase and uh, 57 times greater. Um, that's you know, it's, it's pretty scary to think about all this. And another thing that you touched on was wire fraud, right? So we actually talk about wire fraud in our uh, fraud schemes webinar. We have a video on wire fraud because it is so important to this industry right now. It was one of the largest areas of loss for the real estate industry. You know, knowledge is power. We like to continue to educate our customers, um, so that they can talk to their customers and their borrowers so they don't get tricked into this scam. There's too much money being lost uh, due to wire fraud. Now you gave some pretty amazing stats. Uh, I wanted to provide a few more myself as well from that LexisNexis report. Um, Financial services as we just talked about had over 534 million attacks caused by automated bots in the first half of 2020. So. we're seeing again a lot of increases uh, across the board that was a 38 percent increase year over year just from the automated bot aspect Um, e-commerce showed a slight decline 13 percent decline which is great but there was still over 206 million attacks so although we're seeing a decline in some areas there's still a lot of attacks that are occurring and in general we're talking about some pretty significant numbers do you think that our new virtual work from home world that we're all living in has changed the types of cyber crimes that we're seeing both on personal and corporate levels.
1: You're right, Jeff. Those are significant numbers, but I think it would be unfair to say that work from home is the cause of any of the increases. But I can see how there could be a correlation between work from home and phishing. That makes sense.
0: What are we doing differently that could cause some of these issues as well? You know, we're seeing a lot of these numbers increase. Um, what concerns do you have, you know, with this new norm of us working from home, um, you know, not only at Radium, but across across the world? You know, a lot of people are now working from home as, as the new way to work. Are there any new trends that you might be seeing, um, especially in the mortgage and banking industry that might cause concerns
1: for you? To be honest, we've done a lot of things right. right. So I prefer to think of the positive. I think the staff and the team have always focused on ensuring that Radian meets our security obligations, but we need to remain vigilant, which is difficult, especially with the added distraction of working from home. My dog is in the next room and he certainly makes it challenging for me. Yeah, I, I
0: would agree. I'm sitting in the garage right now because my two-year-old daughter is waking up. So yes, I totally <laughs> understand uh, the challenges of working from home for sure.
1: Yeah, it's it's not easy, but the trends that we're most concerned with are the increased sophistication for wire fraud. We've seen an increase in speed and timing to extract maximum value, taking advantage of customers through spear phishing, uh, delivering fraudulent directions, on money wires at just the right moment in time. Pure speculation on my part, but there's a good chance that a lot of consumers' email has persistent presence of bad actors just watching and waiting to see if any messages like wire fraud instructions get delivered. So
0: the, the message is clear, stay vigilant, right? And speaking of that, um, Radiant recently sent out a what I thought was a pretty awesome email and it highlighted some basic tips on how to keep yourself safe, um, keep your data safe. And as an individual, you know, we can do some of those things consistently changing our passwords, making them more unique, not opening some of those uh, suspicious looking emails, among other you know, common sense tactics. But what can companies do to help protect themselves from potential cyber crimes, Um, both smaller personal attacks or these large scale corporate attacks that we're seeing?
1: Every company needs to decide how risk tolerant they want to be. Security costs money and deciding how much risk you're willing to take will be the key to defining the entire security program. Without an honest discussion with the business leadership, security professionals cannot do their job because the resources given may not match the expected risk tolerances that are understood by the executives.
0: Yeah, that's great information. Um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit and talk about social media. Social media has obviously become something that mostly everybody is involved with, um, and I've read some reports you know, recently about how the more active you are in different social media platforms might cause a higher risk of a cyber attack. Is that true? And if so, what can someone do to help keep their data secure?
1: Again, just like the work from home comment I made earlier, this might be more of a correlation. If you think about it, high social media use means high technology use. Higher technology use means more exposure to attack. Donna, can you tell us some of your best practices that you're applying
0: at Radian that could be beneficial to some of our listeners?
1: Sure, we start by defining the risk tolerance for our business. What do we need to protect by relevant law or regulation? Once we define what we're protecting and the risk appetite, we can develop security services to protect our employees, our corporate data, our executives, our customers borrowers or consumers whatever technology is used to process store transmit data between radian and an outside source would require a security tool to be inserted in between where we can either script or prevent detective controls looking for specific abuse cases Uh, there's another term abuse cases abuse use case is really a fancy way of saying we're looking for ways that this technology can be abused or misused or otherwise worked in an unexpected way like accidentally displaying sensitive information when we're not expecting it.
0: All right. So excellent information. And before we wrap up, can you give our listeners one piece of advice, one takeaway when it comes to cybercrimes or security?
1: Well, Jeff, it's an oldie but a goodie, but I'm going to go with trust your instinct and always verify by phone when transacting with money. You'd be amazed how a two-minute phone call could help avoid a loss of thousands of dollars.
0: Well stated. Uh, You heard it here. Trust your instinct and continue to be cautious. Donna, I, I can't thank you enough for joining me here for this podcast. Uh, Thank you, obviously, for your time and providing this amazing information to our listeners. For everyone listening, again, be sure to download the definition list and check out other Radium podcasts on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Again, Donna, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate the time allowing me to talk about cybersecurity and cybercrime.